<laughs> we haven't done one of these in a while, it feels like. No, we're, um... <laughs> Why did we decide to do this? Because everybody, we have a Patreon now, and we have a Discord, and it's a very, like, fast-moving, robust Discord. And one of the things that's really funny, I'm going to tell this from, like, my perspective, is when we first set up the Discord before any of our, like, Patreons, patrons or whatever were in it, there were just, like, a couple of channels. And I remember showing you and Eric a, a Discord I'm in with, like, a, a lot of people. And it was, like, hundreds of channels. And you were like, what the hell is that? That's not going to happen. And I was like, mm-hmm. And so our <laughs> – in our Patreon – I apologize. Di- you were right. Well, now I understand why. Because people are like, oh, we need a channel for this. We need a channel for this. And I do get it. It's, like, really cool. Um, to have like specific places to go to th- for things and some channels like you think you're going to want and you take it away. But we started a channel called This Shit is Bananas. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just like for like the full banana books, right? And so I was talking about one that I'll be talking about today. And I was like, Sarah, we should like this is a fun episode, like just an episode where we're like where we continually say romance is unmatched. Romance is unmatched, yeah. And we'll talk about some of those books. And some of these might be books we've talked about before, but you know, like they're the ones that really Well, when you read a book that is the full banana, you then sort of can't help but discuss it almost immediately. <laughs> it's yes. like the reason why Morning Glory Milking Farm became so big yes. so fast was because yes. anybody who got anywhere near that Minotaur porn was like, <laughs> I have to tell you I about this crazy to. book I've read. Yeah. And so one of the things that after we introduce ourselves, I think we can talk about is uh, like what, like before we go into like some examples, like what, what like pushes that button, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really funny in the the channel itself is that one of our our listeners, the Goach, <laughs> suggested that this could be a game called KUR Category. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? That's so funny because I actually have an old category on this list. Sure. I mean, that's where this stuff used to, like, live, right? In mm-hmm. these bananas old categories where, like, anything goes. And now mm-hmm. often it's, like, KU where anything goes. So... I thought that was pretty funny, too. Welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. This is season six. It's our first non-Trailblazer episode of season six. We hope you really enjoyed last week's episode, which was with Jackie Collins' daughters, Rory Green and Tiffany Lerman, um, but really explored Jackie Collins and all her amazing everything. So if you haven't listened to that, head on back and do that. It was really fun. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And can I say, Jen? Yes. Because we were on hiatus and then we had Jackie, the Jackie Collins episode. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to talk about all the Magnificent Firebirds I've met over the last month. We have met some Magnificent Firebirds, haven't we? I know. So since Knockout came out, there I've been at a number of events. Jen and I were both at Yale University for the popular romance conference there, which was so fun. It was really cool. It was really, really cool. We um, were on a great panel um, with some academics and uh, Carol Bell, who reviews romance for the New York Times, who is amazing. Meeting Carol was a real highlight for me. She is so fun. Yeah. I want Carol. I kept saying, Carol, come on the podcast. 
Yeah. And other authors. And it was a really fun time. And I think we surprised Yale University just a little bit with how many of you all turned out <laughs> yes. for that conference. I think they were not, I know at, at one point they said that they had to get a bigger room because. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's what I'm talking about. Which is what I like. Everybody. I like us to just come in in like a large quantity and like really just like make make like fancy fancy private schools have to get bigger rooms for us. Um. So uh, and then I've done a few a few events kind of around romance events, and you all have been so fun to meet. It's been so great. People show up. Yesterday, I did an event in Pennsylvania at Pocket Bookshop with Adriana and Joanna. So fun. And so many people turned up. People drove in from all over. Some One woman was had driven six hours to be there. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And Adriana was like, who here is a magnificent firebird? And like two-thirds of the room raised their hand. Yay. And then hopefully the other third is now joining us. So I just want to say it's awesome to see all of you out there and on the road and it's really a real treat and everybody's so cool and so nice. And they also say, say such nice things like, Oh, I found you during the pandemic and you really like kept me like feeling connected to the outside world. And honest to God, I think you all, that is great that we did that for you, but let me be clear. You did that for us. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. So, uh, the feeling is very mutual. Yeah, I think we're all at the stage right now, or at least I am, where I'm starting to, like, finally process some of that, like, pandemic yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that's really funny is, and I'm I'm sure you must have had the same thought. Like, when it happened, I was kind of like, maybe we should stop doing the podcast. Like, maybe this is, you know what I mean? Like, this is so serious, and it's mm. a podcast about romance novels, and maybe we— Is this we, useful, right? Yeah. How can we— yeah. Right. Or do we really, is this really what people need? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? And thank God it saved me for sure. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like it really. Yeah. Whew, yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. So that's been really fun. It is. It's so nice. And yesterday, I will say I teased one of the books that I am talking about today because, of course, I got the answer on the panel, like, what should we be reading? And my mind went, Completely blank. I've never read for, a book. Yeah, yeah no. never. I've never read a book. <laughs> uh, what I did say was "Flowers from the Storm," which is our next read along. Yes, um, very exciting. And I said uh, Diana Quincy's book, which comes out I think next week, called "The Duke Gets Desperate," uh, which is very exciting. I love a Diana Quincy book. It's a castle inheritance romance, and listen, I'm for it. Uh, listen, I don't know when it comes out because I read books now so far in advance to everybody, but you said Inheritance. And Nora Roberts has a new book out called Inheritance. And it's oh, the, I saw it, and it's a Nora book. Yeah, it's the first of, like, the Lost the Lost Brides trilogy. And it's, like, got, you know, like, Nora Roberts, I think it's still, there's still always a romance plot, right? Like, there's always a romance arc, but it's not, like, kind of as romancy as they used to be. But this book was great. It's about a woman who... Uh, and it's kind of like, you know what, it's it's like a good lead into like kind of what makes a book bananas. She inherits, she finds out, she like catches her boyfriend like literally cheating on her as she was going to like check out wedding venues and she dumps him and gets rid of him and then finds out that her 
father, who's been dead for years, had a twin brother she did not know about. No one knew about. Her father didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And this man has just died and left her a mansion in, like, coastal Maine. Listen, where is my mysterious uncle who has left me a mansion? Well, it turns out that this house is super haunted. Yes. Even better. (laughs) And it's haunted. (laughs) But this, it's, I had a, God, I had a great time reading this book. There are, uh... Like, good ghosts who are all called the Lost Brides that were all of them murdered by the (gasps) bad ghost who lives there, who is, like, a witch who had it out for, like, the first one. And then, like, every generation has killed another one. And so it's like – And is she in the line of ghosts? Yes, like for like she could potentially be, like, one who could get killed. The one the witch wants. Right, yeah. And I'm going to tell you what. It's Listen, terrific. And this is terrific. I yeah. The ghosts like communicate with her. Like one of the one of the ghosts was like a housemaid. And so like she'll like leave and like come back and the room's totally clean. Oh <laughs> and then, my God. And, I want a haunted house like that. No kidding. And then one of them <laughs> Only Nora is like, let me tell you. Let me, let me tell, tell you, you what these great this great ghost does. <laughs> this ghost wants to clean your kitchen. You're like, God bless. One of them, this is what I thought was really clever too, like ha- can control like the iPad and so communicates by playing songs. So, like, if, if you know what I mean, oh like, the titles will God. come up and, like, when the cute man she's going to get with comes in, it's always playing, like, songs about how he's a hunk or whatever. She's like, cut it out. <laughs> and I that's was like, so funny. Oh, my gosh. Great. What a What a funny – that sounds like a book that was really fun to write for her, too. Yeah. And it's – but it's also, like, I think one of the things about, like – and this does, like I said, like, leads into this discussion of, like, what makes a book bananas, right, mm-hmm. is – it's house pun- cleaning ghosts certainly has to be up there. Yeah, but it's also like very serious, like right, like it's not it takes itself seriously despite mm-hmm. like the whimsical kind of nature of some of the things that are happening, right? Like sometimes it's really scary and she tangles with the bad ghosts, right? Whimsy, I think that's so smart. Can I say something about whimsy? Please do. So I think there's something really interesting happening in romance right now and I actually think it's fading because I think rom-coms are fading. Mm. Ugh, maybe. So, um, because, and at some point, here's the way romance works. We've all been through this, right? Like, at some point, the biggest thing fades. And the reason why the biggest thing fades is because we all get tired. Yeah. And, like, some of us love rom-coms and will never be tired of them. And some, and you know what? There will be books for you forever. Of course. But most of us get to a point where we're like, okay. Like, we have now read every possible iteration of, of fake dating, right? I fell down the stairs and landed in like a cake that was supposed to be going to this man's birthday dinner, right? right? Like, so that is a bad example of a rom com meet cute, but I, it's possible that was written. So <laughs> I don't know. Smashing into the cake at the reception was the literal meet cute of red, right, red, white, and royal blue. So there you I, go, I, perfect. I, so I just added stairs. <laughs> the um. Anyway, the point is that so we've all you know we've all sort of read enough of that, and now we're like, what's up? what's next? What's and everybody next? seems to think that what's next is fantasy. So we'll see. I mean, Jen and I, of course, are like, what's what is next? What's this going to look like? And what I'm sort of hoping for is now I'm on a real tangent. Is like the fantasy actually means paranormal, and then I'm very much for this. It means anyway. dragons. I'm sorry to report they seem I to know, really be pushing. Couldn't dragons. it be like ancillary vampires? You know, giving people blowjobs. <laughs> I mean, the full banana, Cressley Cole's Immortals After Dark. But sure. that's season one. Um, anyway, 
Whimsy is really interesting because I do think that it feels like it is in the realm of rom-coms, right? But it can really pull you out of a romance because it can make, for me, whimsy, if it's not, you know, deployed with a scalpel. Yeah. Right? Can really make characters seem like children. Yeah. And I mean that not only like, oh, she's so whimsical, right? Like the manic pixie dream girl of like whimsical characters. But I actually mean like in the world building, it's whimsical. The whimsy in the world feels like, oh, no. Yeah. Like now everybody feels like swept up in this like. Yes. Almost immaturity. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that it's not, I don't like whimsy. I love a ghost who communicates with song titles. That sure. is funny and weird and cute, and I love it. What I struggle with is, like, when that's dialed up too much. And yeah. I have an example, which I'm not going to give, unfortunately, everyone, <laughs> because it's it would definitely, like, you know, identify the book for many people. But, like, I'm try- I'll start, I'll think about, like, a, a comparative example. But it. It's just, it can get to be too much. Right, right. Like you're living in, like, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't really want that for too long. Which, by the way, speaking of Willy Wonka's <laughs> Chocolate Factory, Adriana told me yesterday that there's this great novel, it's not a romance, called The Wishing Game. There might be a romance in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a Book of the Month Club pick. Like, it, it's, being, it's been very well received. I think it had a book talker at pocketbooks in Lancaster where we were yesterday. Um, It's called The Wishing Game. And it's basically like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, but with adults and books. That's I know, right? Yeah. So um, it sounds like you like there there's like a it's it's a fantasy novel where there are books like books come from um, like books the books are magical in some way amazing yeah and you uh she inherits ultimately there's like this this competition for you know the the next book it's a series of books and the books are kind of magical and he brings like his biggest the author brings his like biggest fans to a place and the to play a, a game and the the winner wins a copy of the next book Oh, that's cool. And it's just for them. That's cool. That's so fun. Um, and it's actually uh, Meg Schaefer is Tiffany Rice. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Tiffany Rice. <laughs> this week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by P. Rain, authors of Vow of Revenge, the first book in the Mafia Academy series. This is for our mafia girlies, obviously, and here's the deal. Mirabella La Rosa uh, was supposed to be sent to an arranged marriage to the next in line to lead the Costa crime family, and she was not thrilled about this as a future career plan. She did not want to just be some beautiful, like, mafia Don's wife and, like, just carrying on this, like, mafia tradition. Instead, she had plans. She had plans. But it all worked out fine because right before the wedding, 
uh, her fiance and his father were killed in a car bomb, you know, act against their family. And uh, she did not have to become a mafia wife. That was great. And what's more, she could go to college and attend Sekuro Academy, which is a private college specifically for mafia children because they have to, you know, be protected in a very particular kind of way. Well, and I think they take some special classes that you don't normally take at school. Oh, all right. Some like special skills. Sure. (laughs) So anyway, Mirabella and her best friend, they get in their dorm room, they turn up their first class, and would you believe her dead fiancé is right there also alive and well and with a serious vendetta that he cannot have some woman like distracting him from except we all know that that's not how it goes at all if you have a vendetta there's definitely going to be a romance heroine who can and will and should distract you (laughs) and make everything more complicated and that's the story we're telling here authors p rain are also known as piper rain big fan favorites here at faded mates so check out their mafia academy series available in print ebook or with your monthly subscription to kindle unlimited thanks to p rain for sponsoring this week's episode Here's the thing about, like, romances that are, like, the full banana. Because I've been thinking about, like, some of the things I want to talk about. So, like, they're really leaning into whimsy, but, like, not too much, right? Like, there's a really fine line. And it's weird. It is a fine line. And it's sort of a strange line because sometimes it feels like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. But I think the other thing about it is I feel like it's a very specific kind of, like, whatever that line is, like, a romance reader can spot it. Mm. Right. And there's a way in which I think books like this feel like they're uh, really like insider books. Right. Like these are books that are like really meant to be read by Mm -hmm. like romance readers who kind of understand it's like playing around with something. Mm -hmm. And then if it like kind of like trickles out into like mainstream reading, people are like, what the hell? And you're kind of like, okay, this is a pretty extreme example of a romance novel. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, this is yeah. a romance novel that is often, like, you know, trying to do something or is, like, sort of yeah. playing, like, taking a trope to its, like, most extreme or, you know, like, there's one of bo- the books on my list, and I've mentioned it before, I don't think I've ever really talked about it, that I am convinced that this author wrote it on a dare. Like, there's no way. You know what I mean? Perfect. And so, I th- or, or, like, just sort of was, like, an, a little challenge to herself, Because it's just, like, you can see it in the writing that, like, the author is having fun, too. Yeah. There are – there's another, like, subset of the full banana that's just, like, the crazy sex stuff, right? Like, so (laughs) – I've got one of those on there. The book I always think of, yeah, is the one where, like, it's a plumber and he makes a drill dough. Right, he attaches the, yeah. a dildo to a drill. Please don't try this at home. No, this is not for no. public and sub- public this seems action. Very unsafe. Everyone feels like that. Cl- really. Professional driver, close course. Yeah, right. <laughs> but but there is a great image, a great drawing of the drill dough yes. uh, by our friend Jennifer Porter. Uh, Jennifer yeah. Porter, and she keeps like a whole list of like that stuff. But like off, sometimes those happen we'll in books that where in show notes. that's just like the wackiest thing. But to me, a book that's the full banana is a plot. It's a plotting thing. Yes. Right? Like, it's coming in hot yeah. with some crazy well, it's plots. Like yeah. Morning Glory Milking Farm, yes. which I was not going to talk about, but I will I will talk about again. 
where like, you know, it's a monster romance. It's It came at the heyday of like that soft monster romance, uh-huh. the like orcs and shit. And he is a minotaur and minotaur <laughs> It's like amazing. Listen, a Minotaur semen is basically, um, it's like high grade Viagra. And so a pharmaceutical company pays minotaurs like this is a world where like all monsters exist and everyone knows it a pharmaceutical company pays minotaurs to like go and ejaculate 24 ounces of semen (laughs) which is a lot headphones in everyone by the way for this whole episode um sorry to the mechanics in the world (laughs) who just heard that um anyway 24 ounces is two soda cans full um, and then they take that semen and turn it into Viagra, essentially. It's not called Viagra, but you know what we're talking about. Right. Um, and that is the literal plot. The heroine, like, has a job where she, like, jerks off minotaurs for a living. Yeah. And it's all very, you know, buttoned up and professional above the line until <laughs> until she falls for one of these minotaurs. Yes. BT yes. dubs, Jen. <laughs> I was told yesterday that there is a second version of M- Morning Glory Milking Farm told from his perspective. Oh. Am I going to read it? A thousand percent. I mean, I'm sorry. I, believe, I cannot quit that minotaur. I book. believe you are contractually obligated to read that. I, I will report back everyone. <laughs> <laughs> when you come across one of these books, either because you know, everyone's talking about it or has discovered it at the same time or you, like, kind of run into it. I think, like, part of the thing is you have to kind of read it for, like, what it is. So, like, yeah. you know, one of the books I'm, like, looking – I, was like, am truly delighted by. Like, it has terrible Goodreads reviews, but I'm kind of, like – you can't really treat this yeah. as like a serious no, endeavor. No, this is not a right? serious exercise. <laughs> what I will say is this, and I want to say this with love. Yeah. I'm not certain I'm recommending any of these books. Oh, no. Sure. This I is mean, just like when the, the mood If strikes. you wrote one of these books, I was delighted. Yeah. I'm not certain that I'm like putting them on like the Pulitzer Prize list. No. Because no. some of this stuff is weird. <laughs> Well, and I think, like, there's the part that's, like, kind of fun about it is it's, like, well, what what's it trying to do, right? Like, what's the weirdness for? And I think that that is kind of the part where you're, like, okay, that's going to delight me, you know? And then I think the thing about, like, the full banana is there's ways in which, you know, you can see it trickle into, like, kind of books, like, more mainstream. Like, look, Gorilla Twins is pretty much, like... Gorilla Twins, I would put on the Pulitzer Prize list. So, I mean, I'm all ready. <laughs> right? I mean, by the way, I love that Gorilla Twins now is the way all of romance references that. Like, I'm so proud of it. <laughs> I feel like no one knows that it came from us. We and, know. But we know. And we're, and I just feel like if that is the legacy I leave to romance, you'll be proud. I'm okay with it. I will. I will measure out my grave with pride. <laughs> uh, that is Lorraine Heath's The Earl Takes All. We've talked about it on the podcast before. You can also hear us talk about this book, hear me talk about this book uh, in a deep dive at Learning the Tropes. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I think the thing about, like, the full banana, right, is so it's, like, it's about plot. It has to be, like, the entire thing has to kind of fit. It's not just, like, one yeah, you know what I mean. Like it has to be foundational to the plot itself. I think for me to kind of lean into it at this level, it has to kind of feel magic, like not or otherworldly. Can we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because Gorilla Twins is a good example, right? Like that's so the Earl takes all is, um, the 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 overarching plot is twin brothers go on like a bachelor vacation. Uh, or not a bachelor yeah. vacation. They go on like a like a twin brother hang to somewhere in, else in the world uh, where there are gorillas. I have said this many times, and I still have never looked up where gorillas are from. But you know, wherever they are, they go there, and uh, it's historical. And one of them is married, and his wife is pregnant. And then they go off to this thing, and the married brother, who is also an earl, um dies in a gorilla attack sure (laughs) and then the living twin who is not the earl and not this pregnant woman's husband returns home and in a fit of what i can only describe as masculine idiocy decides that the right thing to do is to pretend he is his dead earl brother until she has the child because the shock of losing her husband might cause her to lose her child. And so he pretends to be his dead brother and this poor woman's husband for the entirety of the book. (laughs) And this is bananas. Yes. Now, I will say Lorraine Heath knows how to write a bananas romance. And here's the thing, like, as Jen said, as you said earlier, it's this sort of sense of from, from the jump, we have to just be in it. Right. Like, yes, we understand the motivation of the characters. We understand that this is how the world works. And this is just how this is the ride we're on. We got on the roller coaster like we were fully consenting when we got on it. And that's that. And then, like, here we go. There is something kind of magical about that, though. Right. This idea that, like, the wife would know the husband was and there's this, like, random gorilla attack. And, like, it's all like there's something. It's basically like. Okay, so there's, an eleven. Well, it's like oh, here's here's I'm gonna I'm gonna make it mathy. It's like romance reasons we say all the time for like when like you just have to like lean into the plot, but like these books, it's like exponentially romance reasons. <laughs> like, yeah, you, there's just things you have to buy into in yeah. order to have it all make sense, right? And well, it's pretty great. It's yeah. like when we are on that panel at the Yale conference, and this very lovely professor from Princeton who had collected oh, yeah. novels was showing romance novels. He his specialty was um black pulp fiction yeah, from, it was really sig- cool. from you know from you know the mid 20th century. Um but when he collects, he obviously just buys up boxes and boxes of books at yard sales and things and he doesn't know what he has. Right. And then he goes home and he of course had uh, he has over over the years collected a number of romances from small presses uh, that published almost exclusively black authors. So we, if you're interested in this, you can go back and listen to the Sandra Kitt episode, The Trailblazer, yep. and you can learn more, more about that. That's not the point. So he was showing these covers on this big screen of oh, yeah. us. And he showed one and he was like, maybe you all can help me make sense of like what's happening here. Yes. And he was like, the hero is both a statistics professor at the local community college and a CIA agent. And we were all like, yes, of course, absolutely. <laughs> every magnificent firebird in the audience was like, yeah, so? 
what's the big deal? Of course. Duh. <laughs> Which is romance reason. Romance right? reasons, like, right? I mean, of course. Right? You but moonlight. Not yeah. the full banana. Because that you see, I mean, that's just sure. a Tuesday in romance. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But yeah, the full banana really requires you to get up there. This week's episode of Fade and Mates is sponsored by Rose Prendeville, author of Lady Len and the Mysterious Mac. Everyone loves a Highlander, Sarah. Me especially. In in this case, we've got a marriage of convenience that's convenient for everyone but the bride and groom. Oh he boy. never wanted to be a laird, and she never wanted to marry one, but their oh dads... Wanted both of those things. <laughs> exactly. So... Ellen McIntosh was, like, just sort of, like, this quiet, like, kid her whole entire life. And a secret that she is still holding deep in her heart has prevented her from talking ever since. Oh. But when Silas McKenzie returns to town and he the is. McKenzie. Yeah. He's broad and beautiful and breaks everything he touches, Sarah. Just like they should be in romance, Lydia. <laughs> and so to appease his dying father, he agrees to marry this quiet little mousy woman who, by the way, is very small and very perfect and very lovely. So he can span her waist with his, uh, his hands. I, I he better be. And so there is quite the spark between them. And so it. they're trying to push each other away, but they are drawn to each other. Will she find her voice? Will he find the right monsters to fight? This is the story that we have in front of us. I'm guessing yes. You can read Lady Len and the Mysterious Mac right now in print, ebook, or audiobook. And thanks to Rose Prendeville for sponsoring this week's episode. Do you want to hear about the book that made me? Suggest? I think we should start. Yeah, let's start with the one which actually is you began with. It is the full banana, but like. <laughs> Okay, so I'll tell you the magic. This is a mafia romance called Sweet Temptation by Cora Riley. Now, unlike some books where you know it's the full banana going in, right? Like Morning yeah. Glory Milking Farm. You're there's no I like mean, that you're a consenting adult there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? This one, I was just like, I'm gonna read this because it's a standalone. Cora Riley has written a lot of mafia romances and I like them. You like her. Yeah, I do. I like her. So I was kind of like, this one's I like a standalone. I, it's not that I don't like her. I just you don't, don't know, know her. You've heard like me too. Yeah. And um, anyway, and so sometimes I get really overwhelmed by like big series with like 25 people. I'm like, who's this guy again? So I was like, oh, this is a standalone. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry, everybody. It's fine. You're fine. You know how I am. Okay. It's an age gap romance, which I've kind of been into lately. And the deal is, is like this man is some underboss of Philadelphia or whatever, and his wife died under circumstances which have led everyone else to think that maybe he murdered her. Mm -hmm. But he has two children, and he needs a new wife to take care of those children because this is the mafia, and it's like all 1950s housewife shit. So mm -hmm. his name's Cassio, and so, you know, he goes around, and Julia is, like, you know, 18, and she's going to get married to him because this is how it works. You get married off into the mafia when you're raised in the mafia, whatever. Mm -hmm. I am always like, is any of this true? But whatever. I just work here. So <laughs> <laughs> they are – it's just, like, kind of all pretty normal at this point, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's very possessive and, you know, they – whatever. So one – so here's where it gets, like – 
shifts up to the full banana kind of out of nowhere. Um, her brother is over at her house and uh, they're hanging out and like kind of like watching the kids or whatever. I can't, you know, whatever. And he's the brother has always been like, you're too young. You should have been married, but whatever it happened. So they're hanging out together. And then like one of the kids like vomits on her or something. So she has to go take a shower and Cassio comes home and finds her in the shower and basically freaks the fuck out and is like, what were you doing with him? And she's like, mm. it was my brother. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, she's like, what is going on? Why are you acting jealous? It's my brother, right? Like, you are, this is, what? Okay, only to find out that Cassio's first wife had been having an affair with her half-brother. <gasps> Not her stepbrother, everybody. Her half-brother. And he walked in on them, which I think we could all imagine would be very upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, I'm just going to say that. That would be a shocking Mm -hmm. thing to to witness. And he also, like, she had sort of said, like, he should be my bodyguard because you can trust him. It's my brother. And so they'd been having this affair for years or whatever. And, okay, so I was like, okay, this is a lot. There's more. Incest is a fascinating twist. I was not expecting it, I will say. Not uh-huh. expecting it at all. Uh-huh. I like how I also was like, I like how she didn't go all in. It's a half-brother. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, like, I mean, come on. We have to have some like, standards. <laughs> there's the full banana. And then there's like not even really the uh-huh. right. Like that's going to be too much. So then what happens is, and Sarah, I've got to tell you, at this point I was like, what just happened? This book just shifted into like banana land. So then he further discloses that the kids, the two kids might be, she, like the wife is like, my brother is the father of these (gasps) children and not you. So he had, so the children are like essentially a product of incest. Now, again, full banana gets better. His father, now I can't remember exactly how his father has found out that this is what happened. Yeah. So the father is like, now that you have a new wife, you have to have more children so that you can get rid of the incest babies. Now, Cassio was like, I refuse to have the paternity test. These are my children. We should call them incest babies. Okay, I'm sorry. But, all right. I mean, okay, fine. But they're not real people, Sarah. Okay, I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) Okay, I'll. Let me re-say it then. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I mean, okay. what, it's done now. I'm just saying, you know. I didn't write it. I just read it. <laughs> if was, you've experienced mm-hmm. anything like this in your own life, don't refer to the message. I apologize for my... Okay, anyway, listen. Because this is all, Wait, so right? so the dad is like, we need, like, legitimate yes. children who yes. could, would have genetic code that is, Yes, you know. and rise up to take care of, you know, to sure, sure. take sure, their sure. place in the mafia kingdom or Right, whatever. because the mafia is very concerned about legitimacy. So, yes. literally, Cassio is basically like, dad, we're fucking murderers. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, like, we don't these actually. Are the these are my children. These are my children. And I actually, you know what I will say? At that moment in this crazy Banana Land book I was reading, I was like, yes, Cassio, you go, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, you're right. You Finally, are. someone behaves like a normal person. <laughs> these are my children and we're fucking murderers. So we're not going to hold this against these mm-hmm. innocent. These are innocent children. They're very young. I mean, like, I think they're both under eight or seven. I mean, they're li- yeah. they're little. Yeah. 
So anyway, um, fat, and now fast forward like 10 years, right? And Julia is finally ready to like become a mother herself, like have her own children. And this is kind of like real late in the book. And you've sort of forgotten about the whole plot of the children and the incest and all that stuff. And Julia gets pregnant. So it's like nine years later. So she's like 27. And this, meanwhile, his father has secretly had the children tested and knows, knows that they are not, you know, Cassio's children. And so now that she's pregnant, the father's like, okay, I'm going to come back and revisit because I can never forget about these children not being legitimate and being the product of incest. So he goes to Cassio and he's basically like uh, – or goes to Julia and is basically like, I told your father the truth because we want our real grandson to like rise to the throne or whatever – and then they have to, like, shut it all down by, like, threatening the dads and, like, going to the overboss to, like, shut sure, up the underbosses. Sure, and then a lot happens. Yeah. And then here – oh, my God, Sarah, I forgot. I totally forgot. This is what – when you're reading a full banana, you kind of forget all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, on her deathbed – because it turns out he did not kill his wife, right? Like, she, mm-hmm. I think, committed suicide. Obviously, right? he didn't of course. kill his wife. Come on. I mean, he's a murderer, but not that kind of murderer. And she says to him, our parents – knew what was going on and like sent me to marry you anyway. And she like in her suicide letter basically is like, our parents knew about our affair I was having with my brother, my half brother. And And they like thought they could shake it out of her with this guy. No, maybe didn't care or were just like, whatever. Like, and she said, it implies almost that they had something to do with it. It's very creepy. And she mm. says at the end, like, I like know. flowers from the storm. No, flowers, flowers from the in, the, for, in the attic. That's yes. not the same as flowers from the storm. Very <laughs> different in this particular plot point. So the end of her letter basically says, because it's like her suicide note, I know that you will never forgive me, but I believe in your sense of vengeance. And he goes over to her house oh, and murders you know, her parents. My, yes, there it is. That's the itch that I need scratched. If it's vengeance, I'm in. Perfect. Well, I mean, I don't have any notes on this one. <laughs> Who could? If you were editing this book, you'd be like, okay. Well, <laughs> I'd be like, but what happened to the parents, right? I'd be like, maybe close move that this loop. comma. <laughs> oh, man. and I just was fascinated by it. I was Amazing. like, wow. But then I you know, like, sure, yeah, blood yeah. lines matter, but not like that. I don't know. So it's really interesting, right? Because I, as you were talking, I recalled... <laughs> a book. This is how it's going to go this episode. A hundred percent. As you were talking, I recalled this book that I really, really loved. And this is a good example of the difference between incest as a banana pants plot point and incest as like a thing. Like, listen, I'm getting there. I'm so sorry, everyone. But here we are. Headphones in. Vi Keelan and Penelope Ward wrote a book called Mr. Moneybags. And now this is one of my very favorite Vikulin and Penelope Ward books. The heroine is trying to exact vengeance on What's not the hero for something that his father did or, you know, whatever. I can't I can't fully remember. It doesn't matter. Really, truly romance reasons, right? So she masquerades as a reporter to go in and interview him. He's like a billionaire, owns a company. They meet. They have this meet cute in the elevator where he tells her that he's a bike messenger. Like, 
she doesn't recognize him. He, like, pretends to be someone else. And so there's, like, all this identity mm-hmm. back and forth. And, like, she's falling for both the bike men- messenger and for him, this, like, man, this, like, billionaire who owns the company. And, like, it's so adorable. And then, like, it all kind of co- nets out. And it's super sexy and great. But it's a very, very slow burn. Mm-hmm. Which, if you've read Vian Penelope, you've it's, like, a weird thing where, like, that's not really what they do. So it's a very, very slow burn. Come to find out in, like, the third act or the third act turning point is that there is a possibility they are half-siblings. And they are in love. Like, by this point, they are Mm -hmm. in it. And it becomes clear that, like, there's a possibility that his father, uh, upon whom she was exacting vengeance, and her mother were half-siblings. No, I'm sorry. And her mother were, I, whatever, I can't, I can't do the DNA piece right now. But it, 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 come, it becomes clear that it is possible that they both have the same father, yeah. right? And so um, what's amazing about this is there is a moment in this, I can remember, I can, this is one of those books I can see myself reading. I was in my parents' house <laughs> on the couch. Yes. And I literally sat straight up and was like, is this actually happening? Because it didn't <laughs> feel bananas. Right. It just felt crazy. Yes. Like, what is happening? And they literally are so in love with each other. And they do send out, like, for DNA testing. Mm. And they are sitting in his house crying, the two of them, because they love each other so much. Yeah. And they, like, have this conversation that's like, if we are half-siblings how are we going to survive? Yeah. And he's like, and so they go through, like, we could just, like, run away and, like, never have children and, like, move somewhere and no one would ever know us. And, like, and it's so emotional. And, like, I'm emotional about it. And I don't, <laughs> how? So, anyway. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie? Example. Have you ever seen the movie Lone Star? No. Is that another one? Yes. Listen, this is some weird shit, everyone. And I'm not like this is not yeah. my thing, but it's I not it either, is a weird like Listen, I love that movie, but But like, those two yeah. but the book you described it's, it's different. Yeah. It's not yet yeah, what you described was like this is the the full banana. What I like what I described is like there's this like wacky plot point that's yeah. really emotional, played for not for crazy. It's right. played for emotion. And it is bananas. So, anyway, I that that's a book I do really recommend. It's it's so interesting to see how they do it. I mean, and again, like back to my theory that like yeah. what this is doing is really like trying to explore like the far outer edges of like what this is about is like you know you said at the beginning like right in mafia families everything. Well, how much of everything? What do we really mean here? Yeah. Right? I mean, and I think like similar like this movie Lone Star, which is. I mean, probably from the 90s. And it's a great movie. It's um, like – but it's like a similar thing because it's about like racial dynamics in the town and like sort of who gets to be like white. And like yep. Pilar is like one of the characters and it turns out that like she falls in love with this like white guy who's like the sheriff or something. And they find out maybe, right? Like it's – but it's really interesting like kind of – so in a place where like, okay, who you are determines what you can do – yeah. Right. Like, so it's like a weird thing where you're kind of like, look, I'm not recommending it, but also I could see, I could see why this would pop up in this type of plot. But it was, yeah. oh, but it was still crazy, everybody. 
This week's episode of Fade and Mates is sponsored by Andy James, author of Ruin and Redemption for the Earl. I love a ruined heroine. Me <laughs> and, too. I mean, what a great place to start. In this case, we have Lady Elise Pelham, who has been ruined for breaking like one of those dumb rules in society. And she <laughs> didn't even really care about it. And so what happens is she's like, you know what? Great. I'm going to make a life for myself. She's not going to let this like she's not eager to like claw her way Perfect. back into the ton. Right. I love it. So she is out there embracing her new life and new freedom when she meets Reed Claiborne, the new earl of weston and he's kind of bummed at having to be an earl right the series is called the reluctant lords and so he had been a really influential member of the house of commons and now he's kind of like you know a newbie in the house of lords and so elise and reed have this instant attraction but in order to be with him she would really have to give up that life that she's making for herself nice in order to like go back to the aristocrats and you know the way they treated her so this is a great story about someone who has got that like just when i thought they i was out they pulled me back in energy but make it Uh, regency i love it If you love a Regency romance, ruination is a plot point like we do, age gap romance, or a dude with a newly inherited title, this one is for you. You can get Ruin and Redemption for the Earl, the second book in the Reluctant Lord series, right now in print, ebook, or with a monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thanks to Andy James for sponsoring this week's episode. Okay. So I want to (laughs) talk... All right, I have a category. Okay. Which is inanimate objects. I.e., the hero is one. (laughs) Um, First of all, shout out to Christina from Christina Lauren for bringing this to my attention in the group chat. Uh, There is a book called Unhinged, um, which is by (laughs) Vera Valentine. Who many of us maybe know from uh, Squeak, a balloon animal Omegaverse tale, uh, <laughs> where um, the hero is in Unhinged. The hero is actually a door, uh, an actual door. Yeah, an actual. <laughs> I was just gonna say an actual human door, but no, an actual wooden door. <laughs> and so, okay. Oh, oh my God! So. It's about, I don't know, 50 pages long. It is not long at all because, I mean, how, really? Yeah, right. So, I mean, what more is there to do here? In a, in a, in a stunt book like this, you have to yeah, really keep you, it tight. Listen, exactly. You can't go 700 pages on the hero's door. No. Okay. I'm going to, Jen, I'm just going to tell you the plot of this book because there's just no, I'm sorry, everyone. If Spoilers. Skip so to much. the next chapter if you really are interested in, like, keeping unhinged an erotic door romance you know private until you've read it okay it's written in the first person i mean sure from the perspective of the door obviously (laughs) okay so here we are we are the door the hero is the door um he uh it begins with uh he is his he is the door, the exterior door to the apartment, um, or it's like the 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 door entering the apartment that Tana, our heroine, lives mm, in. Okay. Um, she's recently moved in a few months ago, and he has been in love with her since the very first moment. Obviously. He 
felt her cool fingers on his doorknob. I swear to God, you guys, I am not making any of this up. I'm not color commentating. No. This is true. Just This is all science. <laughs> so, his doorknob. Okay. Stuff. Let me just so I'm still okay. processing his doorknob. So here's the problem. Tana has a dirtbag landlord who murdered a girl Ooh. a few months earlier. She and the door witnessed this. The door saw saw this happen. The, saw him drag, saw the landlord drag the woman out into the woods. He obviously the door can only see what is in his vision, yes. his line of sight. Got it. Um, and so Tana, and he knows that the landlord is using, like, his master key to come into Tana's apartment and, like, sniff around Ugh. in her stuff and, like, be gross. And so he is like, I, can, I can't protect her, right? Like, he is not, this is not a magic door. He cannot lock himself or slam. Like, he can't do any of those things. Like, he's mm-hmm. just, I cannot stress enough. Just a door. He's just a door. But he's, like, obsessed with this woman who, like, the air conditioning unit sometimes, like, is on the fritz. And so she, like, you know, wears, like, tank tops and, like, you know, short shorts. And he's, like, a, he's like in love with her. He's wild about her. <laughs> I love short shorts. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I mean, so, all right. So all of this is, you know, very serious. Um, t- except, um, so he's, like, stressed. He's, like, a stressed door because he knows that this landlord, like, he he can't protect her. The only thing he could do is like she throws the deadbolt, but like the landlord has a key. Yeah. Um, so he's like bummed. Um, but it's okay because one day his father turns up. Yes, the door has a father. <laughs> and his father is Zeus, which is lucky if you think <laughs> about it. Because Zeus <laughs> fucked everything, including a tree. And the tree. <laughs> You guys, I swear to God, this is the plot of this book. It's and brilliant, the, though. Look, tree, I'm not mad at it. The tree dropped a bunch of acorns, which grew into other trees, which then were milled into a door. And so he's basically like half God. Sure. If only he weren't a door. So Hera is forgiving Zeus for uh-huh. some, like, for doing this. You know, I don't know. There's some marital. They've been in therapy or whatever. <laughs> and so Zeus is there, and he's like, listen, here's the deal. You're my son. Um, I fucked this tree. And Hera has basically given me permission to, like, undoor you um, and turn you into human. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Romance mm-hmm. science. And, but the problem is that the way that that happens is you have to have ta- Tana has to fuck you as a door. <laughs> Which is a complicated thing because Tana <laughs> is a, a human. human. Right. And sure. we've never had, like most humans I think probably do are not door files. <laughs> so he goes, but he gives, Zeus gives the door power to go into Tana's dreams for one night uh-huh. and like convince her of what's going on. So door goes into Tana's dreams and uh, and then he's like, okay, here's the situation. Um, I know this sounds crazy, but your landlord's gross and he's like been in all your stuff. And I need you to understand that, like, you need to fuck me, door. So Tana's like, okay. And he tells, he tells her, like, he murdered this other girl. The police had come to her apartment earlier that day. So, like, she knows that something's gone wrong with this other girl. Mm-hmm. And so she wakes up the next morning and she's like, that was crazy. Like, I maybe ate too much spicy food before dinner. Like, that was weird. But then, like, that night she's like, well, 
I mean, okay, like may- maybe, like wh- who would know? The door is closed. It's just me in the store. Sure, Jennifer <laughs> Prokop. When I tell you that this woman lysols down the door and then oh. puts a condom on the doorknob. Safe sex, even for doors. Listen, I don't even <laughs> under like literally the condom came out and I was like, what, what is happening? And possibly I think because of loop, I'm not sure. Sure. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> but she condoms up the doorknob and then she fucks the door. And then he becomes a human, sure. and the door is then gone from the apartment. And she's like, who are you? Why are you here? And he's like, I'm the door. <laughs> and she's like, and then she looks, and the door is gone from her apartment. Yeah, yeah. And then he has to, he's able to, like, fully protect her from her, you know, dirtbag landlord. Sure. And it, <laughs> it I mean, is, you know, listen, the title, name is Destiny. This book sure. is Unhinged. Uh, and what I love possibly the most is that on the cover, the apartment number. Jen, can you guess what the apartment number is? Is it six nine? It is sixty nine. Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, listen, that is unhinged by Vera Valentine. Enjoy, my loves. Amazing. Safe sex with doors. I mean, I appreciate it. I really do. I do. I think it's amazing. Ooh, <laughs> I'm, I just, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a gog. <laughs> it's a lot, right? You know um, what though I love about it is like, if you're gonna, like, where did the door come from? And a Zeus who'd had sex with tree, like, listen, I'm not mad about that. It's amazing. No, listen, I mean, that is good Zeus, world building. Zeus was out doing whatever he wanted to do. I don't understand. How did this door get magic? Zeus fucked a tree. And he explains it. He's like, there was a really attractive knot, like, on the tree. And I'm like, oh, my God, what? But also, okay, cool. Cool, cool. Amazing. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, I have a similar kind of what the fuck kind of shifter book. And I, this is the one I've, like, mentioned before. But I don't know if I've ever really talked about it because it is. And it's, like, 10 years old. It's, I think. But it, it has stayed with me as being full full bananas for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it is called Hedging His Bets um, by Celia Kyle. Uh-huh. And I think somebody else, Mina Carter maybe. No, wait. Yeah, Celia, Ky- Celia Kyle and Mina Carter. And listen, these two have been around, right? Like these are names maybe we've heard of. Like Mina Carter writes like sci-fi and paranormal and Celia Kyle writes a bunch of, Kyle writes a bunch of shifters. And – I am convinced that these two did it, like, on a dare, because the plot of this book is that Blake is a hedgehog shifter. <laughs> yes. Sure. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens is uh, – <clears throat> Oh, boy. So he's, like, a local kind of bad boy, right? His name's Blake, and, you know, he's just, like, drinking and partying, and – he is very aware of the fact that if people knew that he um, was not a werewolf, but like a were hedgehog, <laughs> well, they would laugh at him. They would laugh at him, right? And so, you know, but even though his he shifts into something small and prickly, 
Um, he still has all like the shifter, like alpha ness or whatever, right? So he's super strong and super sexy and you know, whatever. And <laughs> the woman he kind of is after is the owner of a local bar, and her name is Honey. And Honey keeps hedgehogs as pets. Now, I will say, this is where it breaks down for me a little bit because I personally don't ever really want to read a book where someone, like, fucks a pet. <laughs> it's too much for me, right? No, that I draw a line there, yeah. Yeah, that seems too much, and that's, I think, really what kind of pushes this over into full bananas territory. Um, Wait, now, so is he one of her no, hedgehogs? No, so he's not. She has them, and he's kind of aware, and he really, like, feels intuitively that they're, like, fated, I guess, to be together. Um, but, you know, he's just, like, she thinks of him as being this, like, kind of, like, hot, but, like, a loser. You know what I mean? Like, he uh -huh. he's just, like, not good enough for her. She's, like, a businesswoman. And he also, she can kind of tell that he uh, is, a like, a long-term type of guy, despite his short-term attitude and way of being. So they have this fight. There's, she, there's a fight at the bar, and he kind of is either part of it or helps her. I don't quite remember. And <clears throat> now she <laughs> goes home and is, like, literally masturbating. And Blake, who is, like, worried, I think, that, like, someone's after her or that she's not safe, like, follows her home and discovers, like, two things at once. One, that she's masturbating. And two, that she's keeping hedgehogs as pets so he sees this like as his opportunity to save her right so he like turns himself into a hedgehog and like gets <laughs> saved by her she has to take him to the vet <laughs> oh my god right mm -hmm. and um you know i will actually tell you that at this point i was really convinced like the vet is going to like uh be involved in like a threesome with the, the two of them <laughs> because uh there's like a little butt stuff on like poor blake the vet has to do some checking oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> right and then like so honey is gonna go out on a date with the vet now and blake's like what did i do i brought her to his attention by like kind of faking this like illness <laughs> anyway oh I, no and you know the thing is is like there's – but none of that happens, right? Basically, she's clearly into Blake and he turns back into, like, his human self and they're, like, making out while she's dreaming or something. I don't know. Like, it's all completely nutballs. And she figures, <laughs> like – she figures, like, oh, my God, you were lying to me. You were just trying to, like – you know what I mean? So he – gets off and goes away and then you know it's all kind of silly to be honest with you it all went on too long i think this book is also like 50 pages and somehow it was still all too long but then they end up getting together because i don't know romance reasons like he's super hot and she sees him finally as a human when he's in the shower and that's that and then they have like tons of great sex including butt stuff for real and they declare their love for each other <laughs> and the end Wowzer. <laughs> well, who could imagine that hedgehogs were yeah. a sexy romance-shifting creature? Hedgehogs are extraordinarily smelly in real life, everyone, by the way. Do you remember that book, The Elegance of the Hedgehog? Do you remember that book? I do not. Okay. Well, I don't remember what's about it. I didn't read it. But that book was like there was a 
while it was kind of popular. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that's like, was it the same time? I wonder if they were like, let me tell you about a hedgehog. Well, there was that time in like the early, it was like the mid, I don't know, like 2010, 2011, where there were like wear everythings. Yeah. Right. Right. So it was, it was like a little game that everybody played. Like, what is the, what is the animal your hero could turn into that, you know, can you make anything sexy? Yes. And listen, if anything, if monster romance has taught us anything, it is, the answer to that is yes. This was a forerunner is, of the, yes, right? So A anyway. bizarro world. <laughs> um, okay, I have one about animals and one that's like wowzer. Which okay. one do you want? Uh, I guess I feel like you should do animals next to just like wrap it up. Okay. And I want to be cognizant of time here. Yes. So, okay. So this one we've talked about before. We talked about it on the category romance in season two, but it's so good. We're bringing we gotta it back. Just bring it, oh, I'm bringing it back. Listen, a lot of you were not with us in season two. I don't expect you have read, to have wa- listened to all of those episodes. So let's talk about Hot Touch by Deborah Smith, which mm-hmm. is a book that blooded baby Sarah. Um, because it was published as a love-swept novel mm. um, in, I don't know, some time. <laughs> some many times ago, like in the 80s. Um, all right, so our heroine, Caroline, is an animal trainer. She works for, like, big Hollywood movie studios. Um, and the hero, Paul, is a, um, he owns, like, a big, like, house in the, like, Spanish moss of outside New Orleans. Okay. Um, and he's Cajun, and he has a wolf who is supposed to be in this, like, movie. Like, they're shooting a movie on the, he's, like, they're, Hollywood is shooting a mo- a film on the, on his, like, home, in his home, or on his land, and he has a wolf, and the wolf is um, not, not cooperating. He doesn't take direction. Sure. So, um, because they are, you know, they're running out of budget, like, they're behind because the stupid wolf won't do what the stupid wolf is supposed to do, and Paul, who owns this wolf, who has always been able to, like, keep this wolf on the straight and narrow, is unable to contain this wolf. And so what else are they to do? But they call in Caroline, who is, like, perfect in every way and also, like, has a magic way with animals. Sure. And that is not hyperbole. She is, in fact, able to speak to animals. Obviously. Right? <laughs> so she turns up. Paul is like, who the F is this person? Why would she be able to manage my wolf? The meat cute is over a gigantic alligator who is stuck in the middle of the road. And uh, she, and it's this great moment where he's like, she stopped in the car and like, it's a long drive up to his house. And she's like, we got to get this alligator out of the road. And he's like, well, nobody moves like Big Mama or whatever name, whatever the, the, (laughs) the alligator's name is. And she's like, she goes, well, I can move her. And then she gets out of her car and walks up to this alligator and says, you know, something along the lines of, like, get out of the road or I'll turn you into a handbag. <laughs> and, in, of course, but in her mind, telepathically, Jen, she's like, please, would you please move out of the road? Like, I really having a lovely day. <laughs> and, the, and the alligator, like, gets up and, like, walks off the road. And, of course, Paul is just like, why is this woman, you know, flummoxing me? They get there and this wolf is sad. His wolf is depressed. And... She's like, this wolf is sad. And he's like, it's a wolf. And, like, everyone is like, what the hell? And she's like, this wolf is sad, and he won't tell me very much. And, like, 
but you know, she stays to like help train to help like manage the wolf on set. And he's like, this is my wolf. You don't know about my wolf. And then it turns out that the wolf is depressed because his girlfriend has been caught by the neighbor and is in a dog fighting ring. And so she's like, okay, so he's like, I got to save my girlfriend. The wolf <laughs> has to save his girlfriend. Sure. Of course. And so she's like, we have to save his girlfriend. <laughs> and Paul is like, what? We can't go onto my neighbor's property. Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, listen, I don't understand what's going on over there, but he has a girlfriend. Your dog has a girlfriend. <laughs> and the girlfriend is in danger and he needs to save her. And he's like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. And then she and the dog and the wolf, like, sneak into the neighbor's property and discover this, like, massive dog fighting ring. And, like, the, the wolf's girlfriend dog <laughs> is in this massive dog fighting ring and Paul and she gets caught by the like bad neighbor and Paul has to come and save her. And he realizes in the moment, he's like, Oh my God, you were right. My dog's girlfriend is in danger. <laughs> <laughs> my dog's girlfriend. And it's all God. I love romance. Very bananas. But also like, here it is category or KU because right. this is a straight up category romance. Yes. And these two like, it's perfect in every way. And she has, they both have like immense trauma from like their childhoods. And it's all the things you want in a love swept. And you can get it <laughs> right now on Amazon because um, it appears that Deborah Smith got her rights back. And because she's brilliant and knows <laughs> this is a quality read, she has put it back up. This is one of those books. I will tell you, I have not read this book since I was like 12. I think about it all the regularly. time. All the yeah. time. Like there's is... a moment in this book where she's lying in bed in this like hot plantation, like, 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 a you know, New Orleans, like, yeah. you know, big plantation house. Right. She's staring at the ceiling and she's watching. a. Sp she's making a spider go walk around in circles like because sure. she can't sleep. And I'm like. I, okay. Why do I think about that all the time, Jen? Why? <laughs> why is that a thing that fills up brain no, space? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I don't understand. And I better than I counting sheep. I mean, like, but also, like, why is this the greatest secondary love sto love story in romance? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, why are these wolves so important to me? I don't know. This wolf and his girlfriend. <laughs> and she the but the girlfriend isn't a wolf. The girlfriend is, is like a dog. A pit bull. Yeah. And then they like. Fall in love and have puppies. It's so cute. I don't even know. It's the only book that has a dog in it that I care about. And, like, I, do, I, I don't even know. That's amazing. A plus. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, you'd get that and just be like, yes, let's do it. Right? Yeah. First it. of all, it's, like, 200 pages long. Read it in an hour. Enjoy yeah. your life. Well, perfect. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. <laughs> Go it's save great. your girlfriend. Okay. <clears throat> exactly. Paul. Paul deserves everything he gets. Yeah. It's like, you're wrong. We can't go onto the neighbor's land. She's like, to save your beloved wolf's girlfriend, we can yes, do anything we, can. we want. We can do anything we want. Justice. <laughs> Justice must be served. The bad guys are running a dog ring, a dog fighting ring, which is, in fact, really bad. Yeah. P.S. I, too, think that we should go onto the neighbor's land to stop that. But I don't think, for, to be fair, I don't think Paul knew what was going on over there. Mm, fair. fair. Until it all became clear with the wolf. Yeah. <laughs> His depressed wolf. I'm not even sad about it. Okay. I have one more, which is really funny because uh, this 
in doing a little research this morning, and I've definitely talked about these books before. I don't care because this to me is like the ultimate full banana. And I, yeah. this is like, I found out about these books back in when I was still on Facebook and Molly O'Keefe had a, like a reader group. Maybe she still does. And I was like part of it. And someone was like, oh yeah, this, <clears throat> this series by Annika Martin is called Taken Captive by Kinky Bank Robbers. And I was oh, like... Oh, yeah. This is a Jen classic. This is a classic. And you know what? I... Um, okay, so here's the part that's really funny. This series has now been rebranded, I think, sadly, to just The Bank Robbers. Mm. Which, sad. And also, all the covers <laughs> now are just like, you know, kind of flat cartoon Listen, covers. Annika whatever. Martin has to get her bag. She does. Well, I'm not mad about it. Good I job, also, Monica. though, here's the great thing, discovered that they're... A year ago, a new book came out, and I didn't even know. What? I mean, oh, my God. Jen, did you get the Burl Harper book? It's, it downloaded today. I know. I haven't read it yet because here so we are. So exciting. You yes. guys, Burl Harper has a new book. It's very exciting for all of us. I'm going to have a great day today. It's rainy. I got a shot yesterday. I got boosted. I'm just going to lay in bed all day and read books. So in this series, uh, Melinda is a – the first book is called – Wait, I wrote this down. Taken and captive by kinky bank robbers. No, that's it? the series. That's just the series title. <laughs> that's just the series title. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's called The Hostage Bargain. Let me look. And in this series, what happens? <laughs> and I was literally like, I could not be more delighted by this entire thing. Um, she is uh Melinda is her her name, and she is a a bank teller. And these three bad guys who call each other by the names of gods, Zeus, Thor, and Odin. Sure, of course they do. Right? As that's like their Did any of them names. fuck a tree, though, is my question. Clearly, no. Um, they come into town, and they're robbing the bank. And they – she kind of like – it's like a little – you know, she, they don't really take her hostage. She offers herself up for whatever reason. And then well, she, what else are you going to do on a Wednesday morning? Sure. She's like, <laughs> clearly this is all, you know, whatever. And she renames herself Isis as one does. Uh, I mean, good. Right. She's and, like, I got a name. I too have read Cersei. Yes. And so she has, is going to join their bank robbing gang. Mm. And then she like hooks up with sometimes one of them at a time, sometimes two of them at a time. Zeus is the holdout because, you know, he's like, because he loves her so much, he can't even touch her. He's like, yeah, exactly. Pretty, of course. Mm-hmm. And I then, mean, I mean, I know the score here. You know, he's like, she's too good for me. Two swords and, cross. No, and back in, I mean, but you know, maybe the new one. Who knows? But uh, so they are in love with her, and they really are like, she's really adding something to their bank robbing gang, and uh, that's like the story of their adventures. And there are now, which I just discovered. There are now six of them. Wow. There's a new one. What a joy. You really are going to have a good day. I am going to have a good day. And it came out in last summer, a year ago, and I didn't even know. And none of you told me. So, See, yeah, mad. everybody's fired. Yes. Right. So, so, all right. There's like a bad guy FBI agent who's after them and, you know, all this. And it's great. Listen, it's great. It's hot. They're kinky bank robbers. And this is, I think, I believe the first book. Where I really coined the phrase danger bang, or I didn't coin it. Other people have called it danger bang because when Isis and Zeus finally get together, they have been like captured by bad guys. They are literally inside of like a shipping container somewhere. It's very hot, very Mm -hmm. hot. There's no air in there, but that's where they do it for the first time, of course. 
Amazing. All right. I was like, it's so hot you can't even like, you know, uh, but you're going to do it. Fine. Great. My final one is Sawyer Bennett's Uncivilized. And I got to tell you guys. Woof. Well, <laughs> I don't even think I've, I've, I've. All right. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on here, but I just, I feel like I need to just qualify with like all the qualifiers <laughs> and you're going to understand why when I describe this book to you, but the brief was the full banana. And so here we are. Um, okay. So when Zach was seven years old and the child of missionaries, his parents took him on a mission trip into the Amazon. Okay. They died. And Zach was raised. Oh boy. In Yes, here we are. Yes, <laughs> was raised um, by like the a tribesman from a tribe in Amazon in in the Amazon, um, and it was all great. This tribe, like he's very very happy. Like there is like it's great. It's and I I will say this: it is presented as uh, Sawyer Bennett is clearly attempting to not make this as weird as it could be. Which okay. <laughs> I mean, but it's just, listen, it's the full banana. Like, what are you going to do? This is where we are. Um, But he's, like, separated from, you know, it's a very isolated tribe. It's separated from, like, everything. Mm -hmm. Back uh, uh, in the United States, his grandfather has been searching for him for 25 years or something. Okay. Um, Sure. And uh, finally finds this woman who is an anthropologist, uh, Moira, who, you know, has like basically is agrees to go into the Amazon and try to find this his essentially he's looking for his heir. This is a real like old school historical vibe mm-hmm. um but current day. Moira goes into the Amazon because she specializes in like this particular area and finds Zach there and okay. brings him back to <laughs> to the world America. Sure. And like modern technology but (laughs) of course the amazon the tribe in the amazon is like very cool about sex like sex is like totally Mm. fine like it's not they don't like there's no zach has not been raised with any of the like american puritanical views and so like Mm. he's just like let's fuck (laughs) all the time obviously and so it is like this like high heat erotic romance that has this kind of Tarzan Jane. I mean, it's clearly a Tarzan Jane book. Yes, right. Um, and it is, but he also like quickly starts to learn the language. He quickly picks up on like he's like he's so brilliant. He's like by the end of this book, he's like a billionaire. <laughs> of course. <laughs> There's a lot Amazing. going on sure. in this book. And then, of course, like, but, like, continues to go back to his his home, to, like, his family and the people that he loves, like, in the Amazon. It is. <laughs> wow, Jen. Sounds wow. Like it. it really is. I mean, but there is also, like, it is super duper smutty. Like, <laughs> like I'm not upset about it. But no. also the whole time you're like, is this appropriate? I don't know. Nisha Sharma told me to read it at like a million years ago, and I did, and I wasn't mad about it. No, 
You were like, this is nice. But I'm I do, you know, it. I have some, I'm, yeah, I, I got some questions about like, but also <laughs> Tarzan Jane is like a real tough sell in 2023. Yes. So, I mean, what I want to say to all of you out there is this is not, this is one of those books that like, mm, I get it. It's big problems, but also like it's super <laughs> dirty and I <laughs> didn't hate it. Sometimes you just need that, right? And I feel like they're harder and harder to find the super Yeah, and stuff, also like, you know? don't do this. Like, don't go into the Amazon and, like, rescue, yeah. res- quote, rescue people who seem to be very happy mm-hmm. in their lives. And if, like, yeah. your billionaire grandpa out there, like, yeah, leave your money go. to the American Cancer Foundation or something. <laughs> well, Sarah, I mean, if you would like to hear more about these bananas books, you can join our Patreon and get in our Discord and... There's a, like I said, a channel. It's literally called The Shit is Bananas. And I, one day I joked, this is where I live now. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes you just need it. You just need it to be really, like, over the top, right? It's like, to me, like, the, these books are, like, the equivalent of, like, soap opera, daytime television. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, where anything mm-hmm. goes. And it's delightful. And that's what you want sometimes. I think that is the joy of romance. I think we yeah. are a genre that can both take take ourselves very seriously and take ourselves incredibly not seriously and or at least like appreciate the moments where we are bonkers. <laughs> and I love that about us. Like I think that's why we're so fun and I think that's why we endure. Yeah. Um and I want books to be I don't want every book to be like this, but I do want some books to be like this. And when you find them, please tell us about them. Yeah, exactly. And I just feel like one great one a year, right? Like this year, it's The Door. And the door. a couple years ago, it was Born and Glory Milking Farm. Like this is what we want. We just want one great book a year yeah. to yeah. scratch that itch or yeah, turn that knob. But, you know, make sure that you're having safe sex with your doors. I mean, when she Lysoled it down, I was like, that's good. That prevents UTI. But right. then she put a condom on the doorknob. I, and I was like, I'm confused by that. I I have so many questions, but I, I'm not going to get into them here, the mechanics of this. I just, I'm, I'm going to have to read it. No. Just like no, Adriana else. was like, well, is there a chair? Yeah, right. Like me, uh, I was like, is she very tall? What I think she's she do like the splits? A, What's is happening? She must, yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's, she's like weird Barbie. She's, like she's weird always Barbie? in the splits. <laughs> <laughs> And I Sarah. think we end it there. Everyone, it. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend Jen Prokop. This is season six of Fated Mates. Thanks so much for being with us, those of you who've been with us for a long time. And those of you who are new, boy, do you have a lot of other episodes to get through um, to join us here. We are, you can find us at FatedMates.net, on Twitter, sort of, at Fated Mates, on Instagram, at Fated Mates Pod, on Threads. But we don't really use it, to be honest. We'll get there. And uh, you can join our Patreon. Learn more at fatedmates.net slash Patreon. Uh, The Patreon gets you access to monthly episodes if you just cannot get enough of us. Um, Also, our fun five-minute Firebirds videos where we have our friends and people we love in romance join us for five to ten minutes to talk about something that's not about books usually. Um, And the Discord where you too can talk about this shit being bananas if you've read a completely unhinged book recently make sure you tell us about it because that's just what good friends do (laughs) have a great week everybody